Today's episode of Rice will be <laughs> debating the environment and climate change, <laughs> um, tackling several hot topics, and uh, reviewing <laughs> Studio Ghibli's masterpiece, Princess Mononoke. Um, What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice Asian Comedy Podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. I'm your host, Fong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians, and on our panel, we've got Jennifer Shang. Hello, hello. Leonard Chan. Hi. And Sebastian D. Chow. Oh, it's so good to see you. So our our main topic on today's episode is the environment and climate change. So um, the first question I'm going to ask is, uh, what do you believe are the most pressing issues today around the environment? And what relationship did the environment play in your upbringing? Let's first go to our environmental engineer, Leonard Chan. So first of all, I want to say I, I, I quit environmental engineering because I gave up on humanity, uh, <laughs> but I did it for 20 years. I I love the environment. Like I love nature. When I was a kid, I, I grew up by a ravine. And so then I got to play in the ravine and just like turn over like rocks and like splash around a tree. Just an eight year old by himself in a ravine, no cell phone, parental supervision. The 80s were fucking wild. <laughs> But uh, yeah, because you can't do that now, right? If you now have you Google child and ravine, you're the number you're not going to get good results. It's not going to. Huh. It's, it's a tragic story every yeah. time. If only you had Google back then. If only, if only, then I could. My parents could have tried to figure out where my body was. But but I love nature, man. And so then I wanted to protect it. I became an environmental engineer, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now, so my what I did was I designed systems to clean up oil spills. So I did that for like quite quite a while. And I mean, and that's not even the most, like, I mean, it's a terrible thing because like one of the, the most pressing issues is the protection of our water. Uh, and so much of that is getting fucked up, like more than we even know because people keep trying to hide it. And the, and the media doesn't seem to care anymore because it's like, oh, another oil spill, you know? Like, it has to be massive. And then the massive ones get hidden, like the one in Russia or Siberia, sorry. So, yeah. But I, I, me personally, I think, like, the biggest issue is um, global warming. And I don't see that getting fixed anytime soon <laughs> just because it's become political. Mm -hmm. Somehow science is political. I mean, science is messy, but, like, fuck. It's, it's not good. <laughs> like, I honestly believe if Trump gets four more years... Like, that's the end of the world. Like, it's irreversible. Like, that's how bad it is. Go fucking vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Yeah. And on that cheery note. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I think that, um, oh, hang on. Uh, just for our listeners, we're on a new system where I have to manually change the video. So if I sound distracted, that's why, because I'm... Um, trying to both DJ our video feeds and talk as well. So, okay, so for me, um, the the most pressing issue is um, it, 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 it's definitely global warming and climate change, but I, I think it's the control of corporations and rich people um, who run these large fossil fuel companies and who put profits and their extravagant lifestyles ahead of the health of the planet and you know, the health of their future generations of humans. And um, I, I would say one thing to really focus on is 
the propaganda because these people have so much money that people don't even understand what propaganda we're using. Like for instance, the term carbon footprint is actually propaganda. It is a marketing campaign from from BP, I think that's uh, British Petroleum, and they went to an ad agency and they said, too many people are talking about what uh, we need to do to fix the environment. So they came up with carbon footprint to change the conversation so people would think about what can I do in my everyday life. And then hmm. they were giving guidance of what people could do on their everyday life so that they wouldn't be trying to, um, so they would take their eye off the ball of what these major corporations are doing. And if yeah, it's 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 the fault of the consumer. Like we get if they if they sell me a drink in a in a plastic can and and I throw it away, that's that's my fault, not theirs for me putting it in a plastic can. Yeah, no, I mean yeah. it's all yeah. The consumer is the one. I mean, ultimately, these corporations, like a lot of consumers are like, yeah, but the corporate is so big. If they don't do anything, then like nothing's going to change. So what should I, what can I do about it? And it's like, you understand corporations are driven by money and you're the one who has the money, right? So like, yeah, sorry, just to feed into this whole argument about, you know, is it us or the corporations? It really is because there is a demand for it. And this goes back to, are we responsible individually? And I know, Leonard, you talked about, um, uh, sorry, global warming and Vong, you think it's corporations. Like I used to think, yeah, it's this invisible, intangible thing. And oh my God, what do I do? The only thing I could do is recycle. But I was listening to a podcast. It was like a Rich Roll podcast. Sorry if that's competition for this. I don't think it is. <laughs> Different audience, maybe. But he, he was interviewing the CEO, Pat Brown, of um, Impossible Foods or impossible meat or whatever. And this guy, I mean, his- That's how I like my meat, by the way. Just impossible. It, like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> impossible. What would it be? <laughs> like, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily, like global warming's a big issue, but the biggest issue for our environment is, you know, the technology surrounding animal agriculture. And that is really ruining the earth. Like if you look, I guess you can Google it, um, the carbon dioxide emissions from cows- or you know other livestock, it it's more than all modes of transportation on Earth. That's how much these animals, these farmed animals, are producing. You know, and you talked about the oceans being polluted. It's overfishing. It's the land that it takes to not only grow the the crops to feed these livestock, but the land that these animals are roaming on is taking up so much biodiversity. Like species that existed forty years ago don't exist today because of all this farming. And like deforestation. It's biodiversity and deforestation, which, I mean, it's all connected. It's all connected. Right? Global warming and deforestation, biodiversity, the water, it's all connected. And, and I think that's a huge problem. Is that Like, think about it. Like, maybe if we all became like the natives and we were only allowed to eat meat that we hunted, like, oh, wow, our meat consumption would go low. And that would, it's because it's money, right? The dairy industry, the meatpacking industry, everything. And it's become this money-making, like, and it goes back to the corporations, so, like, if we humans decided let's all be vegan or whatever, like, would that would substantially, in theory, change the impact it has on yeah. the environment? Don't you think? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe why. everyone will begin to love murdering animals <laughs> themselves. <laughs> or they, or you're opening, you're opening a door that you know you don't know what's behind that door. True. If you think you, know, you think vegans are behind the door, but they're just hiding their knives. Yeah, you know, I, I, I do think there there are things that individual people can do. And I do think that these large corporations, because they're profit-driven, 
um, as Leonard said. You know, we do have some control over that. But honestly, I, I do think the more we focus on the individuals, the more we're letting them win as their propaganda um, dollars are showing, they really want us to focus on what we can do instead of them because COVID-19 has really shown that even if everybody stays at home, doesn't drive cars, you know, mm. completely changes the way that they live their life. But mm. I think in May, we still had our highest carbon emissions ever. Like these people are trying to get us to stop putting the pressure on them and instead yeah. worry about like fucking straws and turtles and stupid shit. And like, no, let's stop <laughs> these goddamn oil I like drills. turtles. Stupid shit. I yeah. love uh, I, I have never watched yeah. a stupid I, video and I refuse to because I don't care about no goddamn straws and a goddamn turtle. Let's focus on the real shit, people. Those, those paper straws are garbage. I mean, if you put it, you, you're on a timer for every drink with a paper straw before it just turns into like a, a pulp slurry. <laughs> with the, the petroleum companies, I mean, going back to your point, Vong, about how like they're trying to reframe the conversation to take the heat off themselves. Back in the day, like they knew internally, they had done studies showing that they like, yeah, if we keep burning fossil fuels, it's going to fuck up the planet. And they hid that. And then they hired uh Morris, Phyllis Morris, sorry, who are the people who like do the cigarettes? Like they're the ones who are like, no, cigarettes are healthy for like years and years and years and years. And then they got them to be like, hey, help us keep selling this horrible shit, you know? And they deliberately misled the public. Deliberately, they're good though. They're so they're good at what they do. There's so. Like, there's so so many people are making money off of it. There's so many lobbies. There's so many politicians who are in the pocket of big oil. That they don't, you know, like it's but that's, that's any reason a lot. for them to not have to do it because it'll fuck up their own lifestyle. It's yeah. like it's it's all it's greed. It's selfishness and greed. Mm. It's all it is. Money over everything, which is, by the way, going to be the theme of this entire fucking podcast. Well, I, I think <laughs> that that's mainly a, a, a problem with how the House and Senate representatives are um, are elected because they require an immense amount of money to run their campaigns. Yep. And so they can only get it from lobbyists, really. Yep. So well, I, yeah, it's a they, they have to represent court. If, if you ever wonder why is everybody in Senate all corrupt and, and shit is because that's the only type of people who can afford to be in the Senate. Right. Right. You have you have to take the lobbyist money. Except right. for but Bernie. The the day, if the lobbyists are lobbying for something that the public at large doesn't want, then the politicians have to go with what the public wants. So then it all comes down to like education and it comes down to like convincing well, people. What are they going to do? Start to stop burning fossil fuels. What are they going to do? Start a Kickstarter really on the happen. campaign? What's that? They're not going to like start a Kickstarter for their, for their Congress campaign. The, com the, pe the people's approval will not fund their their uh, advertisements. Well, there, there, there have been they successful. Like Bernie was pretty grassroots. I mean, yeah. you can do. Oh, and his massive successes. He was pretty, he changed, he, he was look, pretty he changed, close he, until he Obama nomination, but he changed the conversation. He pushed the over like he pushed everything towards the left. And Bernie and Biden, they had a summit because they didn't want to see what happened in 2016 happen again. So they had a summit and they're like, look, we're this these are the things that my supporters want. Let's have a conversation about creating a platform where everybody can be happy because like, they could have easily like the Bernie supporters could have easily said, look, we want the Green New Deal and we want, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Medicare for all. And if you won't give us these things, fuck off. Right. But and then Biden, you know, like to his credit, he could have been like, I have an overwhelming majority. Like I'm doing very, very well. Trump is fucking up all on his own. I'm going to probably I mean, who knows? But, you know, they are working together because, you know, and Bernie. Mm -hmm. Pushed everything 
to the left. It's more progressive because of that. Yeah. Well, so I, I, so I wouldn't say it wasn't useful. Yeah, I mean it was useful, but I I I I think that really it it does come back to the whole two party system, uh, because I don't think that Bernie's and like the new like the new young, hip Democrats like AOC or Bernie or uh, or me, I don't think that we're we're like Democrat. I think the Democratic Party is a moderate party, yeah. And so they and they box out people like Bernie or Andrew Yang. They didn't even put them on on many uh, ballots or uh and they didn't invite him to debates because they're not a progressive party the democrats is today they're joe biden's who are basically like yeah. light republicans yeah but because they're i think because the republicans have done a very good job of pushing the overton window so far to the right that if the democrats go too far left they're just there's no way that they're going to be able to win they're going to lose all those centrists so they have to go back to the middle and mm -hmm. it's it's it's, I mean, the yeah. Republicans have done a great job of like, they, they're playing the long game, you know? And that's why this is happening. Yeah, Let's just, just say like, sorry, Vaughn, go ahead. You were going to say something. I was say, just, just jumping back to the, to the environment. And, and I get like the government we has, have, has like a, a huge off. role. You know, I, I, I do get, you know, you're talking about the Green New Deal and, you know, the two party system and all that does affect the environment. But bring it back maybe more to like our upbringing and our family lives, like, how is the environment incorporated into your upbringing? Like, did your parents care about it? Were you taught about it in school? Um, let's yeah. go first to uh, Jennifer. <laughs> it sounds like she's, she's raring to go. Well, maybe it was just the 80s and no one was doing it in their households. But growing up as the child of immigrants in Toronto, downtown Toronto, um, yeah, the only kind of recycling we did was my dad seeing a you know, a garbage bike on the side of the road, bringing it home for me and being like, there's your new bike. That was the extent <laughs> of recycling in our house. <laughs> Other than that, we did not do, there are no fucking bins. There was a garbage bag. That was it. You know, everything goes in it. Everything goes out. Like, it's just, there was nothing about, uh, there was no education, certainly for my parents. It was, it was, you know, make money, <laughs> marry a good guy, uh, don't, don't, don't smoke don't don't yeah nothing about saving animals really the sharks. <laughs> yeah like yeah, they're scary like, remember very little i think the the conversation about you know the importance of the environment came from school and maybe grade five or six yeah so close to like 1995 i used to try to raise money for the wwf when i was a kid that's the world wildlife federation yes Oh, <laughs> by the way, it's not the World Wrestling Federation, which, yeah. which, by the way, I was so happy that the World Wrestling Federation they had to change their name to the WWE because, like, the pandas fucked up. I was like, yeah, why? <laughs> oh my god, that's great! Guys, what was UNICEF again? You know, it's for the that's it's for, for that's, kids. that's what you do in Halloween, and instead of candy, you ask for pennies. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, that's so dumb. I, I told totally you, <laughs> my goddamn app. <laughs> and uh, Sebastian, how how about you? How is the environment incorporated? You know, you're you're a bit younger than the rest of us. Did things change from uh, from uh, Jennifer's upbringing, where apparently the environment environment didn't matter? Did they get the message across to the next generation? So my my mother, uh, she's she's a Democrat like me. So we uh, we 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 like to try to do our recycling, but it's limited what you can do in America. But I I will say. Uh, what my main concern for the environment uh, is what I like to talk about is cruise ships. They need to be outlawed or heavily restricted. 
the notion of just dumping garbage and oil into the ocean is like universally reviled, except when you're on a cruise. Not to mention like the roles they, they have in disease. Uh, okay, I read a study by Transport and Environment showing that Carnival Cruise Lines in 17 emitted 10 times more air pollutants than all of the cars in Europe. Wow. I know it's just Europe, but still. Uh, uh, you know, they, they got public transport, unlike uh, America. And the, so these cruise ships, they use the cheapest, filthiest fuel. And that's how they bring the ticket price, price down. And they get more people to, because people love cruises in America because they're cheap. Uh, and they they fit an average 1,400 people onto each cruise ship. And each ship just diarrheas hundreds of thousands of gallons of sewage and filth right into the environment every week. Ew. My parents love cruises. They took me on like like uh, one every couple of years. And I hate them. They're the worst. I love them. They're the same. They took me on so many. I've been on so many cruises. Really? And I've seen all the statistics. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm such uh. a bad citizen. <laughs> this is a free vacation. I get to see like 10 different places. That's great. Yeah. But I like, have, God forbid, by the way, just God so you, forbid you have to read a pamphlet about the region you're visiting or learn anything. Mm. No, instead, the cruise ship company erects this fucking horrid fake shanty town market where you can buy garbage and Tanzanite jewelry. And like the, <laughs> the primary export Set of fake Martin <laughs> is sunburnt idiots heading back to the all you can eat buffet. <laughs> wow. So you're trying to say, Sebastian, that cruises to you are like the McDonald's of vacations. The bottom feeder of the kind of vacation. Yeah. It's on rails. Like yeah. you don't you don't actually it's like going through. It's a small world. Like, you know, that that's not really China that you look at. It's like McDonald's <laughs> moving around there, and you can get a souvenir at the end, but it's not like real. That's so funny. The future of humanity, though. We're all going to be like going through space. We're going to be sitting on our little floaty things. We're going to be like 400 pounds each. It's like Guys, <laughs> It. I mean, a lot of comedians, you know, if, if, if we don't get our Netflix specials, we're oh, doing yeah. a lot of comedy on cruise ships. So, <laughs> hey, I've done comedy on a cruise ship, so hey, it, it felt good. There were yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> They have no other options for entertainment, and they're starved for entertainment. And I got to say, look, I remember I did the, I, I was on the ship. I, I wouldn't be supposed to be doing comedy, but I was just on vacation. And then the, the, this is during the pandemic. And then this guy who this comedian went on like earlier in the week and I was, and he was he got like a standing ovation. I was just like, not that good, right? It's not worth that standing. <laughs> and then and I was like, I can freaking get a standing ovation. And so then later on, pandemic happened and they had no more entertainment. And I was like, hey, spot. And they're like, sure. <laughs> the ship for the last night. Oh. Wow. Oh, so much, you know, amazing. <laughs> like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> now, uh, I'll, I'll mention in America, there's one trash bin uh, and yeah. at home, like you might, you might have a little recycling tray, like not a whole bin, just like a little tray. Now, whenever I have to throw something away in Canada, like on the streets of Toronto, it feels like I'm taking a fucking citizenship test. <laughs> does it like, where do I put a paper plate? Does it, does it go in the paper one or does it go in the garbage? Cause it had food on it. I feel like a fraud every day. That's a good point. Sebastian, I thought that was just Florida because I lived in St. Petersburg for a year and a half and really? we were shocked because we had lived in Canada, like I lived in Canada before, but in Florida, there is no recycling. Like if you want to recycle, you need to drive like five kilometers out to like some garbage site where they have different bins there that you can sort yourself. But who's taking their garbage in the back of their trunk to go through that trouble to recycle themselves? How mm -hmm. awful was this? 
This was in 2010. So I don't know if it's changed, but that's insane that there was no city-wide or... or and I'll tell you, it's what goes into these bins, you toss like paper, just Anything. plastic, glass, and Anything. like they have to sort it. It's not economically efficient. They lose money on the recycling every time. Because you, like you just do no sorting, you put it in a box and you put it on the road. Yeah, it just it, feels it, good for us, and then we're like, yeah, something, it, it, and then the corporation. It's a real theater. Is there? Yeah, you don't even know if it's really going to where it is. Yeah, is yeah. is there? No, it's they like you make money to like to like you know, yeah. World Vision or something. <laughs> like, I imagine a lot of it just gets so sticky. That I, they just put it in the garbage anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm just again. I'm, I'm I'm just going to jump in here because I, I want to take advantage of the fact that we do have a former environmental engineer um, on our panel, and I'm I'm just thinking, Leonard. So you know, I'll definitely understand your first viewpoint was was pessimistic because that's why you you left the profession in the first place. But if you had like ultimate control. Like if you were, I don't even know what position it would be where you could actually control these companies. Like what would, yeah, like what, (laughs) what would you do that might actually save the world? Because right now it doesn't seem like that's happening. Um, well, you would have the problem. Look, it's going to, that's a really difficult question because the problem is like everything's been built around fossil fuels, like our entire structure of society have formed around this. So our cities are big and like they're sprawling, right? Like if, I mean, I would probably try to design a time machine, <laughs> but failing that, um, it just, it will require, oh, you know what the easy solution? Nuclear, actually. Mm. So that wait, is actually the first thing I would do. What about thorium? Switching to nuclear. Is thorium real? Is that, is it actually good? Is that for Mark? I don't know enough to actually say. I know. I mean, I know of it, uh, but I don't know. And I know it's supposed to be safe. Yeah. I know it's not, not supposed to melt down. I know it's supposed to provide a lot of supposedly clean energy without a lot of like, uh, you know, radioactive mm-hmm. fissile material that you have to get like radioactive waste. But whenever I, I read don't about it, it to be it's to like say. next to like the articles where they're like, we cured cancer this week. That's our new Yeah, finance. I mean, this is the problem with science, all right? Because science is a messy, stumbling process where, like, this, I mean, you saw it with the pandemic. It's like one week masks are good, one week masks are bad. It's because we didn't know. It's because we're doing these studies to try to figure out what's good, what's bad. And then the public's like, oh, you scientists are stupid. I don't even listen to scientists. It's like, <laughs> no, you should. It's just that science is fucking hard. Okay. <laughs> and so we're, we're figuring it out. Uh, so, yeah, I can't answer your question about thorium, but nuclear. Uh, is a lot cleaner than people give it credit for. I mean, yeah, we had like a mini series about Chernobyl, but like, yeah. we know why it failed. We know why it failed. The and progress we... that we lost with that HBO series. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would do nuclear. I would do renewables as much as we could. I would reduce fossil fuels as much as we could. I would probably, if I could control the world, and like you know, dealing with the realities of the economy, like. I would stop Brazil from like deforesta- de- deforestation of the Amazon, but I would have we would have to divert resources. Like other, I think like Scandinavian countries actually paying Brazil to be like, don't cut down these parts mm-hmm. of the forest, and we'll pay you not to do it. I think more countries would have to do that. I think we would have to. Part of it is just increasing prosperity all around. The reason why environmental problems happen is because people are poor. They don't give a fuck about the environment when they can't eat. So we have to figure out how do we stop that. Then that's a whole other thing. It's a very complicated issue, but you know that's you know to make it convenient. Mean like really poor people are also the ones who are recycling. 
No, no, no. They can't afford news jet. The ones <laughs> they're going around through my recycling bin collecting recyclables. Like you see these guys in China. Okay, but yeah, I get your point. Like, yeah, you don't have to go all the way to China. <laughs> no, no. And so, so playing playing on that theme a little bit more, Jennifer, you lived in China in uh, Beijing, was it? Yeah, Beijing. Yeah, during you know, as we all know, China. It, you know, a, a lot of North Americans view China and they think air pollution, smog. Um, you know, yeah. there there were a lot of um, there were some um, benchmarks that China had to hit prior to the um, Olympics. Yeah. So, yeah. like, what was it like? You were you were there during that time. Um, but what was it like in, in China? And were people taking the environment seriously? Um, I think in China, like I said, my reference to I, I don't like to use the word poor people, but yeah, like what <laughs> peasants, they, peasants, it's okay. less fortunate, the peasants, the peasants, the low ones. You know, That's the, a very fancy house you have there. <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones like, I swear to God, you're driving through Beijing or you're in a taxi and you look out your window and you see a guy on a moped with just a pile of, it could be styrofoam or Coke can't like, you know, can pop bottles or whatever. And I'm, I mean, piled as high as a bus on the back of his like tuk-tuk or moped. Like, so there is recycling, but people are not required to recycle. So these people are obviously going through trash and, and there's tons of these like garbage yards on the outskirts of the city. Beijing is kind of shaped like a dome or a concave bowl. And there's sites where they're just burning garbage all over the city and people go through that to, to collect these garbages from like the city or restaurants and they'll try to make money by selling it back to the companies to be recycled as you know gutter oil is recycled so they do make use of various products but there was no um you know city bylaw about like hey you know this is recycling you basically just we, we took our trash to a big garbage bin downstairs and that was it no sorting, no nothing. And prior to the Olympics, when I arrived in Beijing in 2006, I remember just the smell, you know, and this is maybe common for a lot of Asian cities. You get there and... Is it the, the pendants? No. <laughs> <laughs> Those dirty trash grabbing Was, wasn't, wasn't that the whole storyline of Parasite? <laughs> Smelly peasants. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, it, it's you can smell the pollution like on days when you look out the window and you can't see a building that's like more than 300 meters away there is this kind of very weird chalky factory like smell in the air now how is cheap are these because how, how are these, uh, they're, they're burning steel there's a lot of steel is cheap and, you know it's interesting because i was actually talking like my um friend of the family actually is like she like runs China Hydro and I was, we were talking about like, how do we make coal cleaner? <laughs> you know, cause that would help. Uh, um, Don, fluidized bed reactors, stuff like whatever it's boring, but like whole point is, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. The only way they could get the pollution to go down is if they shut down the neighboring factories and the pollution was so bad that it was going to neighboring countries like South Korea, you know, mm. and, and uh, even Hong Kong, like, cause Guangdong is neighboring really countries like, <laughs> We just got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. 
So, you know, now, now uh, going over to, to, to Sebastian, you, you sort of um, you sort of touched upon it earlier about the, the views in America. Mm -hmm. But um, even more specifically than America, you were in Detroit, which, you know, we're talking about cars, emissions, things like that. Like, what was mm. it what was it like the viewpoint um, of a city that their whole existence depends on um, destroying the planet? <laughs> well, it's it's so true. It's editorialize <laughs> because <laughs> how do you feel living yeah. in Death Star? <laughs> uh, it's it's so true though that all these cars that I'm, like there's so few there's so few things that America actually makes. Cars are one of them, and they don't even make them that well. They're not they're not that good. Uh, <laughs> but there's no there's no way that they'll they'll make few like the car business the car industry uh, the automotive industry in the u.s they're very powerful lobbyists and and so they stomp on public transportation oh Be because if you if you want to have a job if you flip burgers at a mcdonald's you need a car or you don't get to have that job you make minimum wage you make eight dollars an hour you need a car or you can't have that job mm. and we like we really need things like light rail systems or subways, but in, in reality, if you go on a, on the bus in Detroit, you're gambling with your fucking life. <laughs> uh, and that this is we really need to force uh, companies into curtailing their emissions, uh, or they're just there's no way they'll do it because it's more expensive. That's and this is Chris, sorry, yes, the, the Paris Agreement was about and the US withdrew. Yes. In 2017. I was I was just about to touch on it. Yeah. And totally voluntary. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Uh, without government regulation, most of these companies will continue burning fossil fuels and throwing trash in the ocean until the great Pacific garbage patch solidifies into the 51st state. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there's some ocean or plastic right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the Pacific. You know, it's it's the size of Texas. It's great. You can we're all going to live there one day. So be ready. Ready for the move. It's the next Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is exactly it, though. It's money over everything. Because, like, when I was working as an environmental engineer, eventually part of my job, it became, like, uh, developing products to clean up the environment and then selling those products, right? Mm. And then what happened is, like, the, the reason I actually – so, okay, so uh, – I actually, like, I didn't quit to become a comedian. I got fired. Uh, I tried to do, like, the bare minimum to keep collecting a paycheck, but I fucked up on the bare minimum, and anyways, here I am. But the whole point is that uh, what happened is there was that little downturn, and then, like, the price of oil went down, you know, because as Saudi does what Saudi does, and then who knows, and then, like, the price of oil goes down. And then the first thing that gets cut on every single budget is environmental cleanup every single time. And so, like, as long as the prices were like for to clean up the environment, and also, by the way, in Canada, there's no law that says you have to clean up the environment unless you're contaminating a neighbor or a sensitive site receptor, like a river or a lake, mm. whatever, like something bad, or like causing problems for human health, or you're selling the property. So the, it was rare to get like a, a mandatory cleanup order. Very rare. Mm. Right. So on, the only times you're ever cleaning anything up is when somebody's selling a property, new owners buying it, but they have, to, but they're like condition of sale is you have to clean this up because we don't want to buy it and take liability. That's also very rare mm. because nobody wants to, unless you're like, oh, we know everything about this site. We know every problem, environmental problem on this site, and we're willing to buy it at a lower price, knowing that we have to pay to clean it up. That very, almost never happened because like, who's going to take on that risk, right? Mm. 
So all of can Canadian environmental law is like, is all Canadian environmental cleanup is predicated on the health of the commercial real estate market. Mm. Mm. Like, okay, nobody will do shit unless they have to, and they'll look for excuses not to. Is there a Canadian carbon bank where if you have to mess up the environment to make your site, you uh, you can just pay them to to build that much wildland? We have that in Michigan. Um, there's something called actually. Is this even Canadian or American? Because I used to work on both sides of the border, so now I can't remember what's what. There was something called LEED, um, and it was basically like a certification to be like, oh yeah, this is a green thing. We've done environmental good stuff. And I think there were carbon credits that you could purchase if i recall correctly I, that wasn't really my area that's why i'm not i'm not so oh, yeah. it. but yeah i think that's that, that did exist yeah but again it was just all this corporate social responsibility shit like no companies do anything out of the goodness of their heart it's like oh this will be this will pay dividends in pr this will whatever whatever like nobody's like oh yeah we we need to be good yeah, well, mm -hmm. just money. You know, the the interesting thing is, you know, like, like like you said, Leonard, it just things don't change unless the money changes. You know, just like yeah. the Washington team. I'm not going to use their name because it's a ridiculous name anyway. <laughs> but they, you, you know, know the, the the new proposed name no. is Ho mm. uh, Talkers. Mm. Oh, which is actually kind of cool. I mean, people mm. are not going to know yeah. what it means, but I think it's yeah, it's, cool. it's it's Navajo, right? Yeah, it's Navajo. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so it's like, you know, with, with that team, they didn't do it because it was the right thing. They did it because finally the people complaining were their sponsors. Um, so <laughs> Did they get to keep the logo now? I hope that would Well, yeah, maybe. Actually, yeah. to the code talkers, then, yeah, they mm. could possibly keep the logo. Then they have to, like, make new jerseys and stuff. Ooh, mm -hmm. see? Funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so powerful. Ooh, it's, so it's, it's funny though because the more they change the jersey the more it'll incentivize people to buy something new so it, it's True. kind of funny because mm -hmm. it it always you know this is why kobe bryant had two numbers and why you know why lebron keeps changing his teams and shit. people make money when when you do change so even i don't know it, it's weird because even when I, I guess what i'm saying is as much as money trumps um the environment or doing the good thing, uh, racism trumps money because sometimes people will just be more racist than they want money. Um, but anyway, but um, ba back to my back to my original point of you know things don't change unless the money changes. What I'm hoping is, you know, with these with these new clean energy sources, I'm hoping you know there should be money there. Right, it's like a new industry. It's like I I don't know because... if it's if it's cheaper than if it's oh well. It has to be close to the price of fossil fuels. It, it has, has to be, be like, convenient for people. Look, it's totally clean, but it costs five times as much. People are like, fuck off. Like, that's not going to work <laughs> mm. because people have budget. I mean, realistically, people do have to like, you know, yeah, like, you know, people like myself or Jennifer lives in a mansion. Like, we, we can afford this. We can actually like say, yeah, we can do this. And then we go on cruises and fuck it all up. But <laughs> I I agree. When the when the Impossible Burger becomes cheaper than a regular burger, you're going to create exactly so many it. vegans. There you exactly. Go. Yeah. It's exactly. Like, it is about yeah, like yeah. Beyond Meat burgers are so fucking expensive. Yeah, they are. We'll do it, and but like they don't taste bad. They're quite good. They're pretty good. Yeah, exactly. If you could grow meat in a lab that like had the same mouthfeel, had the same taste, or whatever, and have it be the same or lower price, 
You that's the huge thing. That's the mission of the CEO of the Impossible Burger. Yeah, guy. you got yeah. two. You got two identical cans of tuna. But... Change people's behavior. You have to meet them where they are, and yeah. they're at the place where they don't want to give up eating meat. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Like you know, like if his name, if the name of the company is meant to be aspirational, he really. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Mission <laughs> prep. Impossible. Yeah. yeah, one one thing I do want to talk about is, is um is because I'd, I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't talk about it. Is I I I, so I went to 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 school for engineering in Alberta, which for our American listeners is like the Texas of Canada, and the two messages they really drove into our heads as far as propaganda was of like oil and also they really did drive you know I love Alberta beef everybody had on their bumper stickers so. There were no, because, you know, most universities, you have a lot of like vegans. It's sort of like the age and not in Alberta. No, no, you would. No, not, not a university of Calgary. I'll tell you that much. But the, the funny thing too, is, you know, that engineering department was like sponsored by all the oil companies. So I wasn't even like an oil and gas engineer. I was, I was doing like, um, structural engineering and still every single class, they reference the oil fields, every single equation, they're like, well, if this plus this equals this, then this is how much oil you're going to need. I was like, okay, great. Like, it was just so much <laughs> propaganda. Um, and one one thing I want to say, too, I just want to, while I have a chance, I want to take a shot at um, at Alberta and, and Saskatchewan. <laughs> but mainly Saskatchewan because, so I, I grew up in Manitoba and then I went to university in Alberta. So I was very close to Saskatchewan. You know, some of my best friends grew up in Saskatchewan. And I've never seen the way that money corrupts the way that it happened in Saskatchewan in their lifetime. Because when I grew up, Saskatchewan was more aligned with Manitoba. Very liberal, you know, NDP government, very like green this, green that, like, you know, F Alberta and those rich people. And then as soon as they found a goddamn patch of oil, they flipped so fast into a conservative province that was like, oh, look at all these poor Manitobans and all these other, oh, we don't want to be paying the equalization payments, all that shit. All you have to do is give people a little bit of power and they just flip so hard it makes me so sad that Saskatchewan is now like a conservative base when the only difference from when I grew up was they found a little goddamn oil. It's like Beverly Hillbillies, but they were an entire province. Yes, yeah, sellout bitches. I was there. I remember Saskatchewan. Okay, let's not... Get it twisted. Okay, um, so, uh, you know, we, we sort of touched on this a little bit, but just to sort of wrap it up, um, our topic about the environment, like what do you see happening next? Is there any hope? I know we've been kind of pessimistic, but is there any hope? Well, we'll let Leonard go last because it looks like he's uh, pontificating, <laughs> but let's start with I'm Sebastian. All right, so I'm pretty pessimistic. Uh, the biggest environmental actions we could take are in the U.S. are systemic in nature. And it, from here, the U.S. is either going to continue to go full Republican with Trump or switch to moderate Biden, which I'm, I'm very doubtful that the, the needed changes will come before it's too late. Now, I, it, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that like two days ago, Biden announced he has a plan to uh, spend $2 trillion on, envir on, environment uh, on environmentally friendly transport and other climate change issues. But I consider this to be a campaign promise, like building a wall. Like it's not going to happen. 
Well, but uh, one one thing I'll say about Biden is he is taking so much oil money <laughs> in his campaign that there's no way he's actually going to do something about it. Yeah. So a lot of oil money. Look at that people. That that two trillion dollar promise is basically worthless. Now, like that plan would probably almost get Minnesota a light rail and then fail like the last time. <laughs> uh, now, America needs more environmental protections and better public transport to re- reduce the ridiculously inflated fuel consumption from everyone having cars. Uh, however, that's not going to happen because the automotive and oil companies are very wealthy and they, they lobby the heck out of Congress. So unless some extremely radical and unforeseen new anti-pollution technology comes that just spits ozone back into the in the atmosphere, uh, I think we're going to find out exactly what the full extent of climate change will be. Mm. Hey, over to you, Jennifer. I know you had some thoughts about uh, Little Miss Greta. Yeah, Greta Thunberg. <laughs> we need more Gretas out there in the world because it seems like, you know, all it took was a friggin' young white teenager, female, to make the world kind of listen. But, you know, that could have been the deflection that you guys were speaking of earlier. Like, oh, let's, yes, yes, she's taking me, let's look at her. She's passionate. Yeah, okay. Like, what is she even saying in the act? I don't know. <laughs> You've ruined it for us. You've ruined it. You should be ashamed. <laughs> we just need to educate the young and i think it starts with i know you guys are pessimistic and you you think that the putting the responsibility on the individual is just kind of like a diversion for the companies but i think that like movements there there's power in numbers and if more of us will do our part whether it's with plastic bags using just our one bottle like more than just the straws, okay? Fuck the straws, but I mean, like, the amount of, like, <laughs> like Coke cans are recyclable, but, like, plastic bottles, for instance. You know, Starbucks cappuccino cups. We were at the park the other day, um, and we saw a squirrel with its head stuck in the lid of a cappuccino cup. Kind of like how dogs go to the vet, and they have that plot, and the squirrel couldn't get it off its head. I know. Who who wants to save squirrels, right? Nobody, so fuck them. <laughs> Should have bought a vente. <laughs> There's like no one gives no, no one gives a crap, but I think it also all industries need to adapt their own way of how they can lower their waste byproducts. Like the fashion industry, this fast fashion, Zara, H and M, all the clothes that are changing each season, the latest trends. You know how many clo- clothes we're going through, and they're not all vegan or biodegradable. So even that has to change. Like it's so many different industries that are all interconnected like they need to find ways to reduce their waste and we need to do our part by educating our kids like not like the way my parents did it was yeah let's go camping and just fuck shit up and not really teach you about what to do and it is the responsibility of the current generation and also the next because that's what they're inheriting too so we do have to think about that i don't know yeah, I'll I'll give my thoughts on this, and I I, I, I do agree with what Jennifer's saying, and I do think people individually can do more. Um, you know, the whole thing about the propaganda and getting them to take our eyes off the ball, you know, I'm not trying to say, you know, don't do your part on the everyday things. What I am saying is to also not lose focus on the pressure for the corporations 
And, you know, I, I don't think it has to be one or the other. Like LeBron James has shown us, you can play basketball and um, change the world at the same time. Um, so I, I just want people to keep putting pressure um, on, on their politicians and on these oil companies. Let's uh, here. I, I will say this. The only reason why I have any hope at all is that historically there was something somewhat similar um, with the um, with the lobbyists for lead. Nowadays, everybody knows that it's like, you know, poisonous, but they kind of knew that back then too. And once again, powerful, rich lobbyists um, and corporations, and there was the same sense of hopelessness that even though we know we're killing everybody and driving them crazy with this material that we're never going to overcome this powerful lobby um, and all this money, but somehow that generation did by the skin mm. of their teeth. If you look at history it was very close that they, they almost didn't get it passed. Um, but somehow change did happen. So I'm hoping um, I don't think it'll happen. I do think we're all doomed to die, um, but we'll, we'll be dead before the planet's dead, but the next generation is pretty screwed. But I do have hope that even though lead was a smaller scale, yes, but it was something that did seem insurmountable. And somehow people mm. came to their senses back then. And last word to Leonard. Yeah, um, I'm pretty pessimistic. I've seen too much shit. I've seen like I've had to clean up massive oil spills in northern Alberta that nobody heard about because nobody gave a shit because it's only fucking up indigenous land. Uh, you know, we were selling asbestos up until two years ago. You know, everybody knew that shit was bad. We're still selling it as a country because we're like the fucking Huckleberry Finn of nations. It's fine. It's fine. Just cancer. Just cancer. It's fine. And it's, I don't know, man. Like, I, I mean, going back to what Sebastian was saying, you know, unless somebody like devises something that, ev like, everybody's always talking about like, the free market will solve all our problems. You know, the free market will solve everything. Yeah. Like, if, if somebody develops a blowjob robot that also sucks the ozone, like it sucks the carbon, the carbon dioxide out of the air, sure, <laughs> maybe. Hey, let's get Dyson on this. But mm. I don't know, man. Yeah, like, definition of pollutant. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you know, <laughs> I mean, to sum everything up, like with like Vong is saying, you know, like we should have, you know, the, the, you know, don't. For me, on an individual level, it's difficult, but like not to give up hope. Jennifer saying individuals can make a difference. And yeah, it is true. Like individuals can affect public policy. And public policy is what is going to then uh, change how corporations act. Because I don't like, like individuals can do both those things if we act collectively. Like, we can see that with what's going on with BLM. But, yeah. but as you can also see, they're hitting roadblocks already. All right. So it's hard. There's always like that initial moment of like, oh yeah, this is what we want to do. But that's the, the protest is the easy part. The hard part is everything that comes after when it's not cool anymore. Yeah, it's like you know? weight loss. You got to maintain it. Exactly. <laughs> right? And so, you know, ultimately I think like, yeah, like we should do everything we can. We should like spend what we, you know, like do what we can with our dollars. But I think for all of us, because we're all artists here, right? I think that is the best way we can try to do things like you know like my my next album i'm gonna be talking about the environment i want to talk about <laughs> and by the way so hard to talk about environmental issues in stand-up i tried and i bombed the hardest i've ever bombed in the mm. last five years it was so so bad what was the uh, 
It was brutal because it was just like, nobody wants to hear it because the audience is sitting there being like, I just can't for a good time. Don't remind me I'm complicit in the destruction of the world. Like, you know what it felt like? It felt like if I was trying to do comedy to a bunch of people in the Las Vegas desert standing around the body of a dead hooker and we're just like, isn't this hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, and I'd be like, but she's still we can save her. We can say she's still alive. And they're like, yeah, but, but it'll cost so much money. It'll oh cost too much to save her. No, I, I'm going to have to like drive a Prius. Are you kidding me? No, let her die. So this is kind of what it feels like. And so I've given up on adults is really what it comes down to. So again, like the Greta Thunberg thing, the children thing, that is where it's at. Like, you know, Jennifer, you have kids. So educate your kids. You know, that's that's the best thing you can do is if you're going to have kids, do that. If you don't have kids, like I'm never going to do that because that is, by the way, the most environmentally friendly thing I can do is to not make more of me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what, like, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm creating a kids TV show right now about saving the environment. You know, I'm trying to create art that can influence children because that is, I mean, that they are the next generation. They're, they are the people who are going to inherit this, this planet. And yeah, we got to do what we can now because there is a good chance it might be fucked up before they have a chance to do anything about it. So we have to at least give them a chance is a, I mean, I'm not optimistic. It really, I mean, if it really depends what comes, what happens the next election. Like this is, you know, we the guy believes, like Trump believes that climate change is a Chinese hoax. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the Chinese government is well known for their love of delightful pranks. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, I do, I, I do agree that the next generation is going to be really important. It is down basically between how many more AOCs we can churn out. Versus the the tiki torch whites who are Nazis burning fossil fuels at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, we're just trying to force overtime. This is what it feels like. We're trying to force overtime right now, so that the next generation has a chance. Yeah, we're definitely it down. It feels on like we're close to losing. <laughs> okay, on that on that note, thank you for that very uh, impassioned uh, rant. Um, and for, for all your views, we all know the environment is not an easy issue. And hopefully, hopefully the next generation will do better than the last because the last generation is effing up the whole planet. Um, so uh, if people are hearing this in a time capsule in the future, we are sorry, but we could not do better for you. Um, now on to our next segment. Now on to our next segment. Um, this is what we call dim sum or hot topics. It's our little bite-sized um, nuggets of information. Hopefully, either comedic or passionate, one or the other. Um, and we just talk about what's happening in our lives or what's happening in the news. So I will. I will uh, start it off. So, so for me, the big thing in the news this week was, you know, this open letter that a lot of famous people, um, academics had signed, and they were talking about cancel culture or open debate. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole cancel culture thing because it seems like every single white male stand-up comedian uh that's basically been the topic of their 60 minute special for the last two years so i really don't want to <laughs> rehash that shit because it's boring what i do want to rehash though is i think that the coverage of this story 
gives you a good indication of how far gone each publication is because there was a lot of angles to take on this. And any media outlet that started the story with J.K. Rowling signs letter is dead to me. Because I was like, you're just sensationalizing it. You're not even getting to the point. And this is where media is right now. And, you know, the reason is so for everybody's background, before as a comedian, I worked in media for, you know, 10, 12 years. And, you know, the reason why Donald Trump was able to successfully call us fake news is because shit like this. I still believe in the media. I still believe in investigative journalism. But when you open yourselves up to being this sensationalized and some of these, um, you know, like there was like a hundred something people who signed this letter. You did not have to start out with J.K. Rowling. You're just sensationalizing. And this is, you know, just because you get a few extra clicks on on this shit, you're just undermining your credibility for all future stories. And that's my takeaway from that debate. Now let's go over to uh, to Leonard and his take on Disney World. Um, just to, actually, just to comment on what you said before, I, I saw this tweet. It was pretty funny. It was just like, freedom of speech is when I'm winning the argument. Cancel culture is when I'm losing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. accurate. Um, but yeah, Disney World is reopening. At the same time, the Florida is having a record surge of coronavirus. <laughs> it's not going to beat science. <laughs> like of all the states. For sure, Florida's not. Like, Epcot did not reopen. Epcot's all about the about science, right? They knew. So it's crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy to me, especially because most of the people who visit Disneyland are from out of state. So, like, come mm. to the, the, the shittiest place on Earth and then go back out. <laughs> and it's, you're going to make it a much smaller world than it was before. And I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe Disney's like, we need people to relate to our movies more if they all have dead parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's fucked up. I don't know. It's just, it's so fucked up what's happening in the States. But, yeah. You, you know, the Epcot, but the, that? The, uh, the Epcot thing, uh, it's, it's weird that they didn't see it coming because the ball kind of looks like it's only a few antennas away from being a coronavirus. It's true. Yeah, that is <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's head over to Sebastian on his uh, thoughts on. Uh, I'll let him pronounce it because I have difficulty pronouncing it. <laughs> uh, all right. So, right now, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is locked up, kind of. They have her on. Uh, I don't know what, what you, you all know about uh, what she's locked up on. It's one <laughs> count of perjury and three counts of trying to lure a minor over state lines, which is something so light that most don't even know that it's a crime. Hmm. Uh, with those charges, she can probably post bail to court precedent, uh, even if she's a really obvious flight risk. Now, uh, if if you think that uh, they're gearing up to throw the book at her, mind that they knew she was in New Hampshire this whole time, just hanging out. She wasn't missing or anything or trotting the globe. She was just hanging out in New Hampshire. They knew. Uh, and that being said, she while she absolutely has dirt on a lot of people currently in power, uh, the joke is on us for continually electing pedophiles from uh, Bill Clinton on, on Epstein's uh, plane to uh, Trump. We can't get enough of these pedophiles in the U.S. We love them. Now, uh, if she does end up getting a more serious charge and dies mysteriously in prison, when we hear the headline, Ghislaine Maxwell commits suicide, the most surprising thing for most people will be learning the real pronunciation of her name. <laughs> now... 
Uh, apparently, Gislaine. Uh, Gislaine. Uh, <laughs> it should be called Gislaine. Yeah. Um, at 15, she met Epstein at Mar-a-Lago and began working for him. And apparently, they briefly dated too while continuing their human uh, trafficking empire. And really, that's amazing that two exes can get along that well and even run a business together. It's truly inspiring. Okay, Jennifer, um, we definitely need your your take on your take on this. <laughs> yeah, so I watched that Epstein documentary. I was appalled. And each time, you know, they finished a segment, she's just right now, even now, as she's locked up, she's in full denial. Like I did not do any of this, even with like several witnesses saying, Bitch, you molested me. <laughs> and I think the big debate right now, the big I think the big issue is that people can't fathom that a woman is capable of sexual abuse, especially of her socioeconomic status. But this just shows you, and I'm glad it's opening up the debate about sexual abuse. Anyone is capable of it and anyone can be a victim of it. Okay. Just because she's some like British aristocrat fucking family that she wears like what Manolo Blahniks. And I don't know. She sound her name sounds like she has like a British accent. Does she? I don't know. But like, like people are just like, Oh wow! Like she's a monster. Yeah, yeah. she is. And but isn't it good to see a woman dom like just doing really well in a male-dominated field? Yeah, really? Yeah. So she really is breaking gender barriers, right, guys? Um, female pedo. <laughs> what she did to these girls was just as horrific as like she fed them to the wolves. Now you could argue that he groomed her. You know that she was a victim, just like the Carla Homoka argument. But I'm sorry. You're a grown ass woman. You, you, and, and I think maybe we're being harsh on her as a society because we have this this notion that women should be caring and sympathetic, empathetic, nurturing, and we should help other women. So when she comes along and she presents the complete opposite, we're like, whoa, like even more harsh on her. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying we shouldn't be, but I, I think that's what's going on right now. It's kind of like Carol Baskin in Tiger King. Like, people were so upset at her when, wait, what the fuck? You've got, like, three other psychos on this show. <laughs> like, animals and, like, raping women at the same time. But Carol Baskin, you killed your husband because he just disappeared. Like, people love attacking women because we are not supposed to be that image. So there's something to be said for that as well. That being said, I still think she's a cunt. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I love how you took... The pedophilia story and made it into a story about women's empowerment, which is actually our topic next week. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> she she might be coming back in uh, our discussions next week. But uh, Jennifer, you also had something to say about this ridiculous we charity um, craziness. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was supposed to lead with that. Yeah, it's all over CBC News. Um, you know, Justin Trudeau, our little... As the people in the U.S. call him, our Queen Trudeau, um, <laughs> he is under fire since a week and a half ago because uh, I guess the conservatives dug up some dirt that this, gosh, it was like a $900 million charity called We Charity. It kind of makes me think of like We Transfer, like a shared office space, but it's actually kind of like this, uh, it was like a a student to worker kind of um, charity that helps students. It, it was basically like people argued it can't be a charity if 
the students that are part of this program are getting paid in some way. Okay. And he's under fire because his mother and his, some other relatives were getting paid through this charity that he initiated to give speeches, you know? So it's kind of like a little political money laundering thing, but I just, I'm sorry. Like, okay, Trudeau, this charity, he did the blackface, (laughs) but I think in this world right now, when you have Trump, everything is so relative to that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, really, we're going to like, we're going to, you know, we're going to give Trudeau a new asshole because of this when <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, when I put him beside Trump, I'm just like, Trump won't disclose his taxes till now. Like, how are we picking on poor Trudeau when we have that garbage in the United States? I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm saying I think we can lower our standards a little bit. Right. I think we should be consi- consider ourselves just a little lucky. Like if this is the biggest scandal that we have. Yeah. We give that argument for everybody. It, right? it, it does. Like that. <laughs> it, it does make me wonder how would we still be so hard on Trump if uh, if he was hot? Ooh. Mm. <laughs> I think we'd cut him a little slack. Very interesting question. I don't know. <laughs> what if Trump was Asian? Oh, you know, if if Trump was an attractive Asian man with this, uh, like, I would be very conflicted. Oh, know, so that, conflicted. That's such a that's such a good question. Can we like, take that in another <laughs> yeah. podcast? Oh, you know what? I, do a whole thing that. That's great. I love that. Let's, 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 let's totally, make a sh- next, let's make a TV week, show. That's all we're hot doing. Asian that's, Trump. Hot well, Asian Trump. Someone well, needs to create a meme. Alternate universe. TV show, let's do it. We got to do it. Well, yeah, if like Trump was played what, by though? like Simu Lu or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what? I'd actually. <laughs> Build a wall of China. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd actually like to get Jennifer's take on this because in comedy, people actually do get a lot of flack if they're too hot and you have gone flack. Oh my God. <laughs> That's true. Possibly because you, some people might think you're too attractive. This, this is probably Jennifer's favorite question I've ever asked on this podcast. But <laughs> how does comedy is impeded by the fact that you're so fucking hot? Jennifer? How does it, how does it feel to be, uh, to be uh, hot shamed? It sucks because I don't see myself as hot. So every time I try to make a deprecating joke, people are just like, bitch, get off stage. I don't see no acne stars. I don't see no roles. And I'm just like, you know what? You don't know what it's like inside my mind. I suffer, okay? I'm just as ugly as you But the problem is, like, we can't lay off of me. (laughs) We can't see what you feel you look like on the inside, you know? Like, we see the outside. The outside is fucking great. So, like, like... I have a shallow hell going on, a reverse shallow hell. <laughs> but it's but it's not just you. It's like so many comics. There are so many female comics who go on stage and they talk about how ugly they are. And I was like, have bitch, like come yeah, on. Like this yeah. is not relatable in any way, shape, or form. You're hot. Like stop no, it. I but think- I get I get where it comes from, but it's not relatable. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I've learned to now embrace it. Like I just go up on stage now and I'm like, hey guys, do you think I'm hot? And I'll be like, great, because I'm going to look even better in six months when I get all flushed. <laughs> you know how like every comic has an I look like joke? Yeah. Right? Like you'd be like, you know, I look like oh. uh, you. <laughs> oh, God. I'm <laughs> It's one hey, of my pet. It's one of my pet peeves, and in the small amount of influence I have with new comedians, with the fresh new comedian showcase, I'm really trying to abolish that. I just every oh, time, 
yeah. People Deep come up and say, I, but if you can do them cleverly, you know, if Jennifer's like, I look like someone who's trying very hard to look on the outside because I feel very horrible on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they actually have to be something of a misdirection for, for sure. Yeah, I think for a long time I just used my opening like, oh, hey guys, you know, I look like everybody else at Yorkdale Mall, but not a lot of people new like out of towners don't get yeah, that local, local reference <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> anyway yeah it sucks being hot here's another question jennifer do you ever feel guilty after making people stand for such long standing ovations after your show <laughs> to think of their poor knees <laughs> okay okay it's not Okay, let's go. okay, okay. Let's uh, let's move on to our movie of the week, and uh, this week's movie of the week is Studio Ghibli's groundbreaking Princess Mononoke, directed by Hayao Miyazaki, and was at the time the biggest movie ever in Japan, and it only got surpassed years later, also by Studio Ghibli, Spirited Away, and this was. One of this was probably the first time I had heard of Studio Ghibli in North America. It played really well here. Um, and I will say, seeing it again as an adult, I had quite a different experience. But we'll, <laughs> we'll get to me afterward. Let's start with Leonard. What are your views on Princess Mononoke? I love this movie. I've, I've seen it like so many times. Like I watched it in theaters when it came out here in North America. I I just last night, because I wanted to recreate that experience, I created an outdoor movie theater in my backyard so I could watch it on like a huge screen. And yeah, it's fantastic. Um, the thing about the movie, you know, is like, yeah, like the mythology is wonderful. Like the Kodamas, like I actually, like I love the movie so much, like I actually have like little glow in the dark Kodamas that I bought. They're like, and I keep them in every single plant all over my house. So when yeah. the lights are off, there's little like glowing forest spirits like in my plants. Yeah. Um, and the writing is so tight. And the thing about like every movie, like the thing that, you know, obviously it resonated with me because as an environmental engineer, it was all about man versus nature and, and you know, our relationship with the environment and, you know, coexistence and how, you know, seems not to work. But, you know, that's the thing that always, that's what makes any movie timeless and memorable is the theme. And the way they baked the theme into the script uh, is just, it's phenomenal, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and there's so many different ways, like so many aspects. And it's not like, oh, humans bad, whatever, right? Because it's like, there's also, you know, it was nuanced. You know, like the, the, the women who worked in the iron uh, in Iron Town, they weren't bad people. They were just trying to make a living, you know. And it's just, you know, it's very reflective of the society we're living in now, where not everything is black and white, not everything is good and evil. There's a lot of stuff in between, and yeah. you know, the movie really reflected that and put it all in a, into a very compelling narrative with awesome animation. Like I love Studio Ghibli so much. Mm -hmm. How what what were your thoughts on the movie, Sebastian? Uh, well, I really like it. I so. I, I really uh, resonate with the theme where with uh, where uh, the the people of technology they try to kill the forest deer spirit and then they once they destroy nature nature is like all right I'm gonna I'm gonna literally kill everything and then regrow 
because uh, that's that's kind of what will happen uh, uh, pretty shortly, uh, probably. With COVID, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, with uh, with global uh, warming, climate change, and then it, we all die, and then secession happens. Uh, <laughs> but what I really like about the movie is like the comic, the weird comic timing, because it's like really solemn moments uh, cut with like weird comedically timed like action scenes with like okay so there's when the the princess uh the mononoke she's trying to like scrape like demon worm leeches off of a off of a big pig and she's crying she's like no don't don't like die or become a demon and then uh just like it just widens out and then there's just this guy with a sling and he just bonks her on the head and she passes out onto the end of the pig (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and the, the the main character uh, he at the top of every scene he's in, he says, "I've traveled from a faraway place, and here's what I'm here to do." He he screams it at the top of every scene. Uh, <laughs> I'm here to hi. I'm from a faraway land. I'm here to see the forest spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's funny. It yeah, he, he he does it. <laughs> he does it like four or five times. I'm just noticing. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> fuck up, dude. <laughs> it's like nobody cares. Go do and, and also it sounded different in Japanese. Maybe like the best way they could that. Yeah. Like as far yeah. as I know, none of us speak Japanese, right? Now uh when, also when, that like another silly moment is another example of the silly moments is like when you first see the, the spirit of the forest, it's supposed to be a really solemn and reverent moment. And it's a big huge deer with large antlers and it turns its head and it's got a silly baboon face <laughs> and it doesn't make it it's just like whoa. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's so I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. One thing, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just going to jump in here because uh, Leonard had brought up the language. I just want to double check who watched it in English with um, uh, English dubbed or who watched it in Japanese with English subtitles. I, I watched it with English subtitles. I can't watch an English dub. Even though this one I heard was good. I think Claire Danes was prince, the, the princess, mm-hmm. from what I recall. But, like, I, it's got to be in the original there's, Japanese. There's some shows that people say have good dubs, like Cowboy Bebop or some other classic stuff like that. I, I don't believe that. I think they're full of shit. Uh, I think <laughs> when you have to sync up the dialogue, it, it's it's weird. And Jennifer? Yeah, I wish I wish I knew that there was an English dub. It would have been so much easier for me trying to eat my freshy salad while trying to read fucking subtitles this afternoon. Yeah, it's really hard to read and eat at the same time. She's <laughs> just like eating my salad like, oh, I missed a part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, the movie isn't like, an, it's an odyssey. So like it goes on for... for so, that, it does. <laughs> there's so many arcs. It, it goes on, it's, it's two hours and 14 minutes, I think. Yeah, it is, that's exactly the amount of time. Yeah. It's a girthy film. Yeah, um, I liked it. I thought the girthy? animation is girthy. It's thick. <laughs> I'm not really to Japanese anime, except when it's like porn. No, I'm joking. Um, no. No, <laughs> Love those tentacles, joking. girl. Yeah. Love those tentacles. No, no, did, I did get horny at one point. There's some tentacles in your freshie for sure. That was <laughs> <laughs> calamari, baby. You're just... <laughs> uh, I love... I love the... I guess what you would call the human elements. I, I know it's an animation and you can't really talk about like, oh, that main character. Wow, what a great what a great actor he is, you know? <laughs> I feel like 
I feel like people who do voice for animation get like the shit end of the stick. Like they're not really getting awards for their acting abilities through their voice, but it is such an important element, right? The voice and, Mm -hmm. and it's to the credit of the animators and the writers that the characters had these spontaneous moments of humor. As you mentioned, Sebastian, like I liked how the woman, like, uh, I forgot her name, like the, the mama son of the village in the robe and the fucking headband. Like, um, Lady Aboshi. No, oh. she, not Aboshi. The other one who. Oh, Toki. Toki. Yeah, Toki. Like she would comment on the main characters like, oh, you're hot. Like, let's see how hot you are. And then like, even Ashikata. You're, just hot. you're gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like he commented on when he first, when he saw Princess Mononoke the second time, he's like, wow, like you're beautiful. Like, I love that there was this human element to to it not just like action 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 which can be in so many animations where it's just about getting to the next point like there was really like certain relationships in a story and even that scene with the animals in the forest between the wolves and the apes and how the animation is like if you notice when you look at the animation like all the the humans or the characters are drawn in kind of a very 2D way while the background is very like 3D and like, whoa, dimensional and colorful. And it just, I don't know, this this movie, I'm not done. I'm halfway through, but it just gave me feeling like, oh my gosh, is this like Pocahontas meets Avatar? <laughs> like it was just very like, what the hell? Like I wish I was on shrooms because this would be so interesting right now. <laughs> um, I, I, do, I do think that like... Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's very metaphorical. It's very like man versus nature. You know, they're, they're like, as Leonard said, good versus evil. And there really is none. It's like, like who, and the fact that like princess Mononoke is a human and she becomes like wolf girl. It's very jungle book esque. You know what I mean? Like, which side are you on? Well, we could be on sides if we come to an understanding the blue oh, okay. he has it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I, 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 I echo it. Oh, Jennifer's creep, though. <laughs> it's, it's one of the cute ones, and not the ones with like the eye in the middle and the two in the, like the bowling ball. <laughs> no, can I can I ask you guys something? Because yeah. I've seen I've heard now two pronunciations of this. I've been calling it Princess Mononoke the whole time. Is it Mononoke or Mononoke? I think it's Mononoke. I don't know. I, I think the pr- the correct way to say it is to write it down and then <laughs> just point to that. <laughs> I think, and Jubilane all over. Yeah. It. <laughs> I think oh, from yeah from from what I know of like Japanese anime because I, I used to watch a lot when I was younger. Usually their pronunciation is very um is very um stuttered. Like each syllable okay. gets like equal relevance. So I think um, Mononoke is a little bit more. Of the pronunciation. Western? No, no. I oh. like mononoke, like each syllable. Well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Each, each one is the same. Okay. Yeah, whereas if you say mononoke, you're giving more emphasis no? on the okay. noke. Yeah. And no. that, that, that's not quite as Japanese, from what I understand, anyway. Can I um, yeah, mention, you know, the, the point at which uh, the, the prince character, he's just trying to escape from the gun fort and he's a gunshot through him and he's got the princess over his shoulder yeah. and he carries her to the wolf. And then he just, he passes out. And then the wolf immediately, not even a sec, just 
grabs he grabs that invisible wolf the size of like two horses and he just chomps directly on his face and does like shakes it around break like would break someone's neck in a in a second and then he and then his uh, the princess is just like hey stop that and then he stops and he's unhurt completely yeah. <laughs> demon blood this is the guy he's like he's just stronger than like 10 guys okay. and he's he's like super and he's like a superman and uh and he's super in touch with nature and from a for a land of forest people and and there's this point in the movie where he, he talks to the princess he's like it's like don't say you hate humans we're human and i'm like dude you are not human human like a 10 ton door no i th that only makes him i think that only makes him want to kill stuff with his hand i think i don't think it makes him stronger no it does make him stronger that's that's yeah Came off. Yeah, I think he. Strong, I, man. I think he could do that before. No, no, it a hundred percent made for sure when they when they showed him with the arrow with the guy's head off that was showing. The, the and what what is what a jarring moment that was because it was all like it was all like friends of the forest until until that point. Then there's just a guy on horse. He's just like, oh, just murder him real quick. Just chop his arms <laughs> off and leave him to yeah, bleed I out. Guess. The dirt. I like that. Kind of violent the bone. You could see the bone with my kids. Thank God I didn't. <laughs> I had this playing on a big screen in my backyard. The kids, my neighbor's kids, were like watching. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not as kid friendly this movie. I, you know, I, I, I echo a lot of a lot of what's already been said. I, I think. First of all, I do want to say this movie is creepy as shit. Like, I know people say, like, is it gorgeous? But watching that little boar with the weird tentacles and then yeah. at the end and just with the other tentacles and they're like, you really have to be okay with tentacles. <laughs> like, this movie is, like, is a little <laughs> creepy. And, like, the weird deer it's, thing. There's a lot of creepy it's, shit. It's worse than tentacles. It's worms coming out of pores. Yeah. So, like, the trip of trypophoria. Oh, oh, you know, yeah. like oozing out of the holes ew worms yeah. it is it is beautiful animation but they use their beautiful animation to animate really creepy ass shit so yeah. i will say that um welcome to japan <laughs> <laughs> i do like i i will say it because i've been called a yellow supremacist in the past but i'm happy they had a, like an Asian protagonist because all their goddamn movies, Studio Ghibli, keep having like white people as the protagonist, even though they're a Japanese studio. Like I was watching Kiki's Delivery Service and Spirited Away. I'm like, mm. stop casting Germans as your lead. You're representing Japan. Anyway. Um, when but they, they were allies. Yeah, they, just about it. They, they love them over there. <laughs> I'm just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't bring up the axis. I don't know. They're 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 buddies. They're buddies. <laughs> nothing nothing bad has ever come from a German Japanese collaboration. <laughs> yeah. it, it's like uh, they didn't drop two nukes on us and uh, subsequently yeah. create anime through a weird <laughs> butterfly effect. Um, hey, you know what? I love this movie. Totally worth it. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Um, I not it. <laughs> well, one thing I liked about this movie as well, and you know, J uh, Jennifer touched upon it too. It's like it is a common story about like the progression of technology and its effect on nature. You know, like Pocahontas, like Avatar, like Dances with Wolves, like all these different movies. But I did really like the fact that it was complex, and the moral center wasn't you know man versus nature in fact the whole point was 
if nature sees it as man versus nature, it's just going to grow hatred within nature. And same with trying to convince man. It was about getting them to cooperate, which is like the opposite of Avatar, where it was just like, no, nature is better. Man is bad and nature wins. And what I like about Princess Mononoke is it was based on, you know, the historical period of the Iron Age. And like, obviously, this guy knows like, technology wins so you can't just make this whole story like avatar where nature wins because nature never fucking wins so how do you do a story about man and nature and how do they coexist um and not get consumed with hatred for each other because that's the only way um and i do like that at the end i guess you know for me the first ending was when you know nature goes bonkers and gets its revenge because i do think that's how it'll actually end in real life but um you know, I, I, I do like that they didn't go with the easiness of, you know, nature versus man. It was it was all about framing. If you frame it that your enemies, you've already lost. And I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Like Lady Eboshi helping free women in brothels and taking in people with leprosy. Like, okay, girl, <laughs> like that's you a lot it. of character development for somebody who's supposed to be evil, you know? So it's... Yeah. When she, when she uh, when she got her arm bitten off and she still had like a witty line, she's like, "I fucking told you that shit would happen." And I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna be like, "Oh shit, my arm." You're like, "I knew that would happen. <laughs> I knew I knew that decapitated wolf would jump up with no limbs or body and bite my arm off." Even even at the end, she had to be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but you're right, Bong. It's all about balance, right? And yeah. I think ultimately that is. I mean, I think that's a real difference between Eastern versus Western philosophy. All those other movies you mentioned, Avatar, like Dances with Wolves, whatever. It's all like Western Western viewpoint is not about balance. It's about dominion over nature. It's about control. It's about who's winning. It's a zero-sum game. Eastern philosophy is more about how do we all coexist? What is the balance? And I think it's reflected perfectly within these two movies. And we need more Eastern philosophy in the world, man, yes. <laughs> we are lacking balance. Yes, which is why we are doing our <laughs> weekly um, movie reviews of Asian movies. Actually, I do want to say so far it's been Asian movies, but we eventually do want to expand to Asian art, Asian music, Asian. I don't know what else. I'm hoping we'll we'll push it on the list. If our listeners have any suggestions, please let us know. Usually, we would be reviewing things that are current and coming out now but because of the pandemic we are going into the past so this is a good time to recommend old shit to us because once the world starts up again we'll probably just be covering new shit um so what are we watching this week for our little movie club or art club so Um, there's good chinese animation on netflix it's dubbed though it's kind of not greatly dubbed it's Mm. it's called like you're selling this horribly, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay, I'm in. great Chinese animation, but you won't understand a thing they're saying. And when they try to explain it to you, they do it badly. Yeah. So uh, we'll, damn it. So let's 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 take the the discussion of like the the future ones offline. I um okay. a, after we wrap up with our listeners, but I, I will let our listeners know that next week's movie is. Mulan, the Disney's version. We want to watch this version before we get into the live action version, which hopefully will come out at some time. And our topic will be related to it, which is um, 
women's place in society in Asian culture and how they're treated. Is there equality? And um, yeah, so, you know, obviously Jennifer will have to do some heavy lifting next week with that topic. And I will try and get at least one more female Asian to help balance out our testosterone on this uh on this i feel like i also bring a little bit of the estrogen because i'm gay so i feel like two <laughs> girls two guys and a gay yeah, that'll do it that'll i think do that's it. equal i mean nobody else is gonna say that <laughs> so uh so yeah um if you have time please watch Mo- disney's mulan on disney plus or rent it on itunes so that you can uh know what we're talking about next week and thank you for tuning in our listeners oh one more thing to help us grow um please give us a five star rating and review on your um platform of choice because that is how algorithms pick us up thank you and see you next week it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.